read this letter yet? We're going to do the letter from the Holy Letters of the Rebbe, Igris Kodesh, and this is in the volume 4. And this is letter number Tuf Tuf Test, which is 809. Now one thing we have to remember, uh, a letter is mostly addressed to an individual. Uh, not always what uh, the Rebbe speaks to one individual is necessarily applied to another individual because there are really no two exactly the same circumstances uh, there are various different circumstances and sometimes there can be a, ver- a variety of different answers for different people under their circumstances so uh, even like when the Rebbe gives a talk let's say a public address so that's usually a general statement for the public but yet there might be individual circumstances which are different, which don't apply. So you, you, need, you can't just apply everything across the board, even things in halacha and things. There are rules and then there's exceptions to the rules. But especially when you talk about a letter, you have to sometimes know who the letter was written to and what their circumstances was and how that applies to that. The reason I'm saying that is because sometimes you might find that you know, the Rebbe's answers can conflict sometimes with other advice that the Rebbe gave. And sometimes, um, you know, we, 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 um, we, we don't understand, you know, the Rebbe's... Well, sometimes we may be wrong, the Rebbe's right. But I'm saying a lot of times uh, it's important to take into consideration what the circumstances. So here, this letter is dated the 25th day of Marcheshven and in the year Tavshin Yud Aleph, which is again in the end of 1950 in Brooklyn. And the Rebbe uh, starts off the letter as he usually does with the words Shalim Uvracha, that's peace and blessing. And the Rebbe says here that I am attaching hereby a copy of the letter that I wrote to Mr. David Bubis. Now, I'm not sure who this David Bubis is, but the Rebbe is saying I'm sending you a copy of this letter. And the... Um, Rebbe says, I would be proper to find the opportunity to speak to him about his visit over here. Now, Rebbe uses the language, his visit over here. I would assume that it means his visit with the Rebbe. Uh, (laughs) Rebbe doesn't say his visit with me, he said his visit, the Rebbe talks in a modest language, he says his visit over here. And the Rebbe says you should encourage him and strengthen him so that he can actually fulfill that what we had spoken about. So I guess the Rebbe had encouraged him to uh, various different things, and the Rebbe's following up with this other person that he should see to it to encourage him. And in generally, that the Rebbe says you should sort of uh, point out to him you should, uh, that he should influence his environment. And the Rebbe felt that this individual, this uh, David Bubis, has uh, influ- he's influential and the Rebbe wanted him to utilize his influence in his surrounding for the positive. And the Rebbe says, I hope to hear uh, good news from your success about this. Now, here the Rebbe continues said like this. I am going to continue writing what I've already written you two times before Yontif. So the Rebbe is following up on letters that he has already written twice, the Rebbe says, before Yantav. Of course, this is already in Cheshven, this is already 
after Yontif. This is on the 28th day of Marcheshun, after Yontif. And uh, the Rebbe says that because of the preoccupation of the month of Tishrei, which is a general month, I had not had the opportunity to continue what I already started writing. Now here the Rebbe says, he says, although I have not received yet a reply to my two above-mentioned letters, so the Rebbe has written them twice, and the Rebbe is following with a third letter, he says, although I had not yet received a reply to my earlier letter, I am still going to continue my talk over here with regards to the matter of going to college, the Rebbe says. And I, this is a continuation to the above-mentioned letters. So the Rebbe says, uh, now, the Rebbe says like this, that you have the ability to say, now it's kind of hard, the Rebbe is following on the previous letter, and we didn't read the previous letter, so it's hard for us to see this is just a continuation. So we just got to sort of deduce a little bit from the Rebbe's writing what exactly the Rebbe wrote him. So the Rebbe says, you might be able to say that um, it seems to, to me, that means that he sees, uh, that meaning the person himself says, I think that for me, this is the person thinking, the Rebbe is saying it, thinks to me, now what you think sometimes isn't really what you really want to do. Sometimes people think that's what's in their best interest, or they think what they really want, that's not really what they want. You know, we know it says in the, based on the Rambam, in the end of Hulgerishan, it says, you know, sometimes people, people really have a want to do what's right. But there's a layer above that want, which maybe wants to do, not that's what's right. So, for example, just take the, sim- the simple example that we always use. Very good. Let's say, oh, do I want to eat this cookie now? Well, well, okay, on the superficial level, I want to eat this cookie. But do I really want to eat this cookie? The answer is no. I don't really want to, but, you know, on the outer layer, I can't resist. So, wanting has various different layers. What do you really want? Do you really want to endanger your health? No. But do you want right now on the outer layer? Yes. So sometimes we don't even know what we want. <laughs> we don't really know what we want. I mean, because outside we want one thing, but deep inside ourselves we really want something else. And, but you are arguing that it seems to you that you want to go ahead and to visit and study in college. That's what he says. Now, there is another individual who says that given your standing, given your situation, given your upbringing, given you have another destination, your destination, and I'm I'm just going to say this without looking at what the Rebbe is saying over here, but we have a lot of people going to college. We have mainstream going to college, but the Jewish community also needs some rabbis. They can't have everybody. Not that college should necessarily be a contradiction, but if there are needs of having real Hebrew scholars that they should concentrate their lives, devote their lives to Torah, that's an essential part of keeping Judaism alive. That's not to say about the mainstream. So the Rebbe was talking to him and saying to him, that somebody is telling you, which basically is the Rebbe, that it's not fitting 
because of your standing and in general. Because you are a Tomim. A Tomim means somebody who learned in the Lubavitch Yeshivas, and you are a, you have a, you carry a special responsibility because you represent my father-in-law, the Rebbe. Uh, and that means that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, is escorting you everywhere you are going. So basically, when I'm going, this is what the Rebbe was telling him, I guess, when I'm going to go to college, I'm dragging the Rebbe along with me to college. So that means that I'm forcing the Rebbe to go with me there. Uh, this is based on the halacha. There's a ruling. Uh, the um, Sometimes it's necessary for people to go in the city of refuge. That's called the Ori Miklat. The Ori Miklat was if somebody happened to kill somebody by accident, then he would go and live in these cities of refuge. But the Torah says that within that city you must provide all of his needs. Vachai, he has to live there. And therefore out of that also comes the ruling that let's say he had a teacher who used to teach him while he was in his place that he lived. And now that he's in his new place, he doesn't have his teacher anymore. So the halach is that his teacher has to come into exile to be able to be with him, to teach him over there. Because a student who has gone to exile, we are also going to take the rabbi, we're going to make him go to exile to provide him what he needs. Of course, under the, uh, whatever, the limitation of the rule. But that's just a general concept. In this case, the Rebbe is telling him, if you're going to go to college, then the Rebbe has to go with you, your teacher. The Rebbe is going along with you to, to college. And therefore, um, so there is somebody who says, uh, so who says, so what is his argument? He says, who says that I need all this? So what do I need the Rebbe for? What do I need him to go with me to college? Why do I need him to tell me that it's not fitting for me? The Rebbe is saying, this is, the Rebbe is playing devil's advocate sort of here. What his, what, his, uh, what his argument is. So his argument is, is, I am going to, I'm no longer a chassid, I'm no longer a tamim, I'm no longer a Lubavitch, I'm no longer a yeshiva, I'm just a temporary and now, therefore, there's no more arguments. So I'm not dragging the Rebbe with me. I'm not taking anything. I'm just, I'm free to do as I want. Because I'm no longer that. So why do I have to be that and then make me feel guilty about all these things? I'll just drop the whole thing and then I don't have to feel any guilt. But the Rebbe says, it's no longer up to you. <laughs> it's too late, he says. It's known also in the revealed part of Torah that if you have a, a, a convert, now in order to become a convert, if you're born Jewish, you're Jewish no matter what. You can do all sins of the Torah. You can violate every single prohibition. You can not believe in God, believe in other. It doesn't matter. You're still going to remain Jewish. But on the other hand, what happens if a convert wants to convert to Judaism? He cannot convert unless he accepts the rules. If he doesn't want to accept the rules, then he can't really convert. So, but what happens uh, if a person converted? And then they change their mind. That's too late already. <laughs> once, 
once you're converted, and once you become Jewish, that's it. Then, no, there's no backsies. You know, you can't, you can't take it any back. You can't go backwards. You can only go one way, not the other way. It's not a two-way street. It's just one way. If you want to convert, and you convert it kosher, halacha, then that's it. That's too late. So the same thing is, well, we're talking now, conversion from becoming a Jew to a Jew. But it, holiness, is the same thing is, once you become a chassid, there's no way back. <laughs> you cannot... You cannot back out of it. It's too late. You're, you're, you're sort of entangled, and that's it. If you became a chosid once, and somebody who has connected himself to the Rebbe, so once you connected yourself to the Rebbe, the face you show the water, that's the reflection you get. If you show a smiling face, it's a mirror image. If you show a smiling face to the water, what you're going to get from the water is back a smiley face. If you show an angry face, you'll get back an angry face. But basically it means, the person's heart is the same way. When you show somebody kindness, you show somebody love, then you get in return kindness and love. If you show them anger and hatred, that's what you get back. So it's basically a reflection of what you show them is what you get back. So if you connected yourself with the Rebbe, so the Rebbe in turn connected himself with you. So... And therefore, you can no longer, you don't have the ability to sever that connection, that, that tie. Because uh, this is not only up to you. Now it's up to already to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe with you is bound, the Rebbe says, with handcuffs. <laughs> it's, he's handcuffed. There is no... Uh, you can't, you can't get out. Similar, what the Alter Rebbe writes in the Yeres Shuva, in the beginning of chapter 7, uh, that sometimes you have, like a king, even while a person is sort of failing and having bad thoughts, let's say, so you're dragging down the king and you're sort of incarcerating and uh, with your mind, by going down into the bad places, you're dragging down the king with you, because the king, Hashem, your soul, you're still tied to God. And if you're descending, you're schlepping down, you're actually dragging down Hashem with you, because you're connected. So it doesn't help. The tie, that knot is there. And that's why God is sometimes called a degraded God, or a, a king, or an olive, uh, an embarrassed king. Because we're embarrassing the king, because we're dragging him down to places that the king doesn't want to be. If we go and we join, and we go into such places where we shouldn't be, and God is with us, our soul is with us, and God is with us, we're actually bringing down God to those places. So the, it's an embarrassed king, because we, we have the ability to schlep God wherever we go. And if we go into bad places, then we're dragging down Hashem there. So the same thing the Rebbe says is also with tzaddikim especially by the leaders of the generation. And especially, in particular, particular when we're talking about the leaders of the esoteric part of the Torah, as it's known in the Zohar, it says over there, it says that, Man odin dorashbi. It says you should go and see the Master. It's talking about Hashem. But the uh, Zohar says that that refers to Rav Shimban Yechai, because he was sort of, represents Hashem. In, the, in, that, in that level. So do we have a, a, a tremendous, the tzaddikim have a tremendous 
resemblance and a tremendous power which is resembles in some ways the ways Hashem's connection. Uh, yes. Okay, I'm not I, again. I don't. I'm not sure exactly um, the details of it. Take it for what it's what it is. I mean, the 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 the, the basic concept is here. What I would gather. I mean, uh, it's there. There are various problems um, that may arise. There's one thing: the education. But we're not talking about specifically about the education. But there's other things that come along in college, and it's no secret. We don't have to secret. You know, a lot of times, you know, kids, especially young kids, they go to college, they get involved in bad things, and they do bad things there, and there's some terrible things that are going on. It's not just about learning, and we know that. And anybody wants to pretend differently is that. So when you're saying if there can be kosher ways and people do it for learning, of course, that's there's different. That's why I said. But I'm also imagining in those days, I mean, it was pretty... Uh, getting pretty wild already. It was getting pretty liberal, maybe in those days, and people, and in the college. And it's known not from here. You know, the Rebbe went to college himself. The Rebbe went to university. The Rebbe experienced that. And and the Rebbe once was asked, "How could you say people shouldn't go to college when you yourself went to college?" And the Rebbe's response was, "Look, you know, somebody else's response was first you'll know as much Torah as the Rebbe knows, and you'll be as holy, you'll be observed as the Rebbe. Then you can go to college." But, you know. But the Rebbe's response was, if somebody jumps out of a window from the third floor, and okay, and he makes it through, and he's alive, doesn't mean that another person should go and jump, because, you know, you might not jump, or you might not be qualified, you might not land as well as the other person. The other person may... Uh, so, like I said, you can't judge everybody separately. Here we're talking about, specifically, it must have been somebody who had a future to be a rabbi, to become in the work that the Rebbe wanted to do for him. Because we do know, again, not this letter, and I don't want to speak for the Rebbe because we're trying to read just the Rebbe's letters, but the Rebbe says, but we'll see in other cases, and we'll see many letters, the Rebbe strongly advocated somebody who started uh, to go, should finish actually. The Rebbe wanted people to utilize, everybody should utilize their, uh, their knowledge, their experience to further Yiddishkeit. Of course, we need educated people. We need to be able to conquer the world. We need education for that. We can't just do it by sitting in the yeshiva and learning Torah. But everybody has their sort of their uh, strength and what they should do. Here we're talking about a certain individual and the Rebbe was able to see, you know, what he is most fitting for, where he would be most valuable. And the Rebbe was also afraid that this person may be in danger. Uh, could be that other people in his level, in the Rebbe's level, he would see that, you know, when you go to college, sometimes when people are exposed to outside ideas, I'm not only talking about sometimes they can do crazy stuff, you know, socially and things like that, but sometimes, you know, your mind, you know, the, the, there's all kinds of, of ideas uh, floating out there. And sometimes if you're not prepared properly, and maybe you're not insulated, you're not strong enough with your conviction, you may easily be swayed the other way. So there is a lot of dangers. The Rebbe, uh, really for a, for a Tamim, for somebody who learned in the Yeshiva, in Chabad, in the Tamim, that wasn't for him, as we see today. Today, there are hundreds and thousands of Chabad that go to college. They go to college, you know, brought in from the college. You have Chabad houses in every college campus all over the world you have Chabad houses. But on the other hand, the standard, those who go to yeshiva, uh, who go through it, they don't go to college, they stand and they are out there working with the people that do go to college. So we need 
to have both. Maybe not everybody can handle, you know, everything. Not everybody can handle everything, and we need to be able to. Okay, let me just finish up this letter over here. Uh, the Rebbe is also uh, bringing down uh, here that it's like a very strong um, expression over here. Um, we're saying, who is... Um, the Rebbe basically says that a tzaddik uh, and a leader in, in, in other ways resembles um, the, the presence of Hashem. He has in himself, you know, like the presence of Hashem. And this is a very powerful statement over here because the Zohar, this is from the Zohar, and the Zohar it says uh, you should go and visit uh, Pnei Ha'odon Hashem, the face of the Master, and that's and the Zohar says, this is the Rav Shema Bar Yochoi, that's the author of the Zohar. He would be the master, sort of, you're, you're using the title of Hashem, you're using on a human being, you're using Rav Shema Yochoi. That seems to be like very far-fetched to, use, to say something like that. And the Rebbe brings down a commentary of the Nitzutzi Oiris, one of the commentaries of the Zohar. And he brings down from the Yaivitz, because it says, V'ohavto es Hashem Elokecha. The verse says, you shall love God your God. That's what's the verse. So Rabbi Akiva, actually, he would uh, expound. Every time the Torah says S, he would say it means something else. Like you could say, you could say, V'ahavta Hashem Elokecha, you should love God your God. It says, V'ahavta S Hashem Elokecha. What does the word S mean? You should love S. So he would say, every time the S is coming to include. So he explains that the, we learn out from the Gemara, Rabbi Kiva says, we learn out that it includes also a Talmud Chacham, a sage. Vahavta, Hashem Elokecha, not just God your God, but Es Hashem Elokecha. And the Rebbe brings down various different references uh, in the, this whole discussion about this statement of the Zohar. But the Rebbe concludes like this. The Rebbe says, I don't want to prolong this. And also I say, to, just to do justice to understanding this, we should really read the first two letters where the Rebbe said them. It's very hard to just pick up on the end. But this is what we have over here, so we'll just have to imagine what the beginning was. But the Rebbe says, I don't want to prolong in this because I am confident at the end of the day, the Rebbe says, when you throw a, a wood into the ear, it'll land on its root. That's an expression that, uh, even as Rebbe uh, elaborated in the previous letter, uh, the tree, when it grows, you see the branches that are connected. But sometimes you have a, a, a piece of branch that is off of the tree, and you don't no longer see how that wood is connected to its roots. It seems like it's been severed from its life force, and it's just a plain stick. It's no longer connected. And yet you find, as the Rebbe explained, if you throw up the stick, it'll land with the place of the root on the bottom. That's where it will come out. I don't know how to check it, but that's what it says over there. That if you throw a wood, it'll come down with its point to the root, where it comes from. And the Rebbe uses this analogy to say that if a chassid, a person who was connected to the Rebbe, so even if you disconnect yourself from the Rebbe, sort of, or you think you're disconnecting, but in the end you're still connected, because even when you throw a, a stick that has been severed from the tree, it will still come down to the, to, the, to the same place. So that means 
that there is something left of the tree in it. It's not totally, you can't lose your connection totally. So the Rebbe says, I'm confident that the root in you will be revealed. And that is, what is your root? That is your connection to my father-in-law, the Rebbe. And this is going to, how is it going to be revealed? By following, going in the straight path that he taught us we should follow in his ways. You should be able to give me good news and the earlier the better. And it says, the earlier the better, as it's known that we all have a number of days in this world we got to utilize every day for its proper. That each person has a certain amount of days in which we have to do our work to uh, sort out our part in the world, to do what we need to do in this world. So the Rebbe says it's a, it's a waste, even one day, hour, or even a minute that we don't do what is fitting to fulfill the mission of our soul in this world. And the Rebbe says, I hope to be able to get good news from you, and I'm extending my best regards to your family. Uh, they, may they live with the Rebbe's signature. But here, here you see the Rebbe taking out time to one individual and putting in all this effort to try to, uh, I guess, bring out in him his, his feeling, his connection to the, to, to, to the Hasidus, to the Rebbe. And I guess this, 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 this particular individual, he may have been very talented and he may have been, uh, expectations was for him to sort of follow and be in the yeshiva, grow up to be a leading rabbi or go up to be a, uh, a scholar. Uh, my father, may rest in peace, of blessed memory, told me. So when, when I mean, they, they lived through, you know, very, very difficult times. They didn't have a time, not even to get a, a good Jewish education in the sense they were always running and they were going from place to place. He was an orphan and there was no normal yeshiva, the know to speak of. They were hounded, they were... So he, he had a very hard life and... But yet, you know, they educated well, they learned Torah, did all these things. And, but then when it came, when they came to this country, they needed to do something for a living. So they had no, no experience, they had no uh, <laughs> training in any, in any field. So first, um, back, this was actually still in, in, in France, in Dublin, he became a shaykhid. But when he, when he came to this country and he saw the way the shechita works, he, he didn't want to... He didn't want to anymore be that because he didn't, he didn't feel that they were religious enough the way they were doing it. He didn't like that. So he didn't have really what, what to do. So he became somebody in Chabad was a, uh, a diamond cutter. Uh, he polished diamonds. He taught my father the job. I mean, for, based on what my, reckon, my recognition, my reckoning, my, based my, my reckoning, he wasn't the greatest... Apology, but they kept him there. You know, he worked in a in a Jewish factory. No, not bad, but he was. He never he never thought of himself as being the you know the the perfect you know making that angle exactly the polishing. The, and somebody taught him that. But my father uh, just his his he he did sit and study all the time. He learned all the time. And and the Rebbe one time was you know having visiting somebody visited with the Rebbe. So my father told me this. Uh, he says. The Rebbe used him as an example. He says, look, look what happened to the talents 
and he mentions my father's name. <laughs> he says, Nachavalza. Here was a, a capable guy with great talents. He could have been, you know, some leader in some community, some rabbi. <laughs> and what did he end up being? A diamond polisher. <laughs> As if the Rebbe is saying, you know, could have contributed something to Yiddishkeit, you know, okay, he supported his family, Baruch Hashem, he raised a beautiful family, and you know, through him, his kids and his grandchildren, they're all doing this work that he didn't do, but what the Rebbe said that he could have utilized, and my father said it with, uh, with a sense of humility, he says, the Rebbe said, look what happened to him, he's coming from a, from a very serious learner and a very serious uh, uh, rabbi, he could have been a teacher, he could have done and then he ended up being polishing diamonds. <laughs> you know, he could have polished uh, souls' diamonds instead of physically. I guess, again, I don't know exactly. Maybe there were other opportunities for him. Maybe there was opportunities in Klaikotish that he didn't take or didn't go. I'm not sure. What I'm saying, the Rebbe advocated strongly. I'm just giving you one story. This is what I heard from my father. But the, uh, the Rebbe advocated uh, people that have the ability and the talent we need them. We, the Jewish people need uh, people that devote their lives to helping the Jewish community. Because as you see, there's not enough, as many people are, you know, there is so much intermarriage and so much ignorance and there's so much pull that is going the other direction that we need to have as many people as we can pushing the other way to try to, you know, stop the bleeding, you know, to try to hold on to what we can. So, I guess the first uh, choice would be do something in the area where is Yiddishkeit, if you have that training, if you have that qualifications. Don't use it. So, to Rebbe, teaching, when we, um, when we left, when we first came to the Boston area, we came to the Rebbe for a blessing. So, we were standing right before we left, we were standing by the door. Now, I got, my position was, I came, they opened up a... Uh, they called it the Dropkin Yeshiva College. They took me as the dean, the Rosh Yeshiva, for that program over there. So we had, you know, post-high school students. I prepared them for smicha. That was my job, and I learned. That's what I came. So I was the one that was hired by uh, by the New England Academy, by Rabbi Cement, who was the leader, to open up that program. That's how I came to the Boston area. So we're standing there by the Rebbe's door, and of course, that was the purpose of our coming over here. My wife was going to, you know, didn't have a uh, set up job. She was going to find something here to do. This was the reason we came here, was for my job, and then she was going to find me what to do. But the Rebbe, as we were standing there, the Rebbe goes ahead and gives me a dollar for tzedakah, and what a blessing to be success. And the Rebbe turns to, uh, to Sarah, <laughs> for sure, you're going to be a teacher. <laughs> the Rebbe didn't even, and the Rebbe gave her too, and he blessed her with success in, in education. There wasn't even a, a question. Not that she's going to become a CPA or, <laughs> or anything else, you know. The Rebbe says, certainly you're going to be the teacher, and that's what she keeps, and that's what she does. So I'm saying, the Rebbe wanted people to be there in education, to be leaders, to teach, to give Yiddishkeit, to help the Jewish people have a community, a community. So it's not surprising, it's not, not surprising that the Rebbe was putting in effort. And also, the other thing is also to remember, I'm just thinking, you know, we're living now in a different time. We're living now 
you know, it's accepted, there are so many yeshivas, there are so many people that are just studying full-time, you know, and some people say we have too much of that in Israel, too much people studying full-time, but today, Jewish life is much more gone back to the way it was in Europe, and the shtetl, you know, like, people were involved all in Yiddishkeit, we have all various different Hasidim, and various different movements, and everything. Uh, uh, but in the 19, in 1950, it wasn't like that, you know, people, everybody knew we have to make a living, and you know, Jewish people who were even more religious, you told me that on Shabbos, they would go to shul, and on Shabbos they'd have to go to work, because, you know, there was no choice, that was just, and we're talking about not people that didn't care, the people that cared, but there was a different mentality out there, so people, even in the um, yeshiva world, so how is the Rebbe going to change the world? If he's not going to have people continuing to teach and continuing to be part of his army, how, how are we going to turn over the world? I mean, how are we going to get the whole world to turn around? The Rebbe needed to raise a generation who will be committed to this, to his thinking, to his ideas, to Torah, to knowledge, so that they can go out and teach. How else was he going to do it? So this, we're talking 1950. They had maybe two, three yeshivas then over there. You know, they had you know, the Lubavitch Yeshiva, but it was small, the numbers were very small, it weren't like that, and the idea, the prevailing ideas was, you got to go in college because you got to make a living, and if you don't go to college, you're not going to make a living, you know, that's, that was just the very simple, the simple, that was the idea, but okay, that still holds true today, people have that idea, but how is we going to have all the Jewish people brought back into prepare the Jewish people and prepare the world for Mashiach, how are we going to do that? If everybody is going to just be out there being the accountants and the lawyers and the doctors and the CPAs, there's no going to be to teach our children. And it's not going to be important. You know? So therefore, you can see how much the Rebbe fought for every person over here to them to go ahead to become part of the group so that he can go ahead and do the work when he needs. And this is another thing of showing how nothing was given to the Rebbe like on a silver platter. Not... Not money, not people, not an army. The Rebbe built it one, one person at a time until he built up what we see today, the Rebbe's influence to change the world.